start it. If God, God speaks to your heart, obey, obey. Well, let's read the text. I normally don't read all of the text, but I want to tonight just read down through several verses, and I promise you I'll do my very best uh, not to be lengthy. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto the Syrian, he, unto Syria, but he, he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel, and the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, am, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not abandoned far for rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May, may I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And we'll stop reading right there. And I, I want us to think about this in maybe, maybe a little different way than what, what you've heard. And maybe you've heard it this way. But when I look at Naaman, I see a man who is deceptive. On. on the outside, look in verse number one and see what the Bible says. He was captain of the host of the king of Syria. 
He was a great man with his master. That's what the Bible says. He's a great man with his master. And that, I, I guess that's really who it's important to be a great man with. He was honorable, been used to deliver Syria, a mighty man in battle. Now here's what we would say about this man if we were to look at him from the outside looking in, we'd say this fellow had a good job. He had a high position. He had past success in his line of work. We would say that his life had blessed a lot of people. He had freed the Syrians. His life had made a difference. We, we would say that. In the king's eyes, he was great. He was brave and powerful in battle. If, if he's a man of valor, you would seem to think that. And here's, here's what I would say. He has it all. Man, he, he has everything you could ask for. He, he, he's, a, he's, he's somebody we might want to imitate our life. We might want our kids to look up to him and grow up and be like he is. That's what life's about, right? Just success and position and power and fame and, and uh, uh, looked up to. But the Bible says this at the last part of verse one, but he was a leper. The Bible says he was a leper. Now, I, I know this and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it, but you Bible students know it as well. Leprosy's a type of sin. It's a type of sin. It starts out real small. Brother, I believe you said something about that earlier. It starts out real small, and then it, if you're not careful, sin just keeps growing. That's right. and, and after a while, it, it becomes deadly. And after a while, the wages of sin is dead. Right. After a while, it, it'll, cost you, it'll cost you everything. And so here is a man who's a little bit deceptive, on the outside, everything looks good, but on the inside, and maybe only him and his immediate family may know this, but on the inside, there's a problem. And, and as I thought about this, uh, I, I thought about this, he, he has all, all these accolades, but he probably, at that point in his life, would have traded everything to just not have the leprosy. Now I suspect at this point it's not very far advanced because he's still part of society. I suspect it's hidden because a leper was kind of excommunicated, kept out of the camp, so to speak, in Israel, and I assume, I assume that's the way it was in Syria as well because it was contagious. And so uh, he, here he is, and he's facing death. And he, he and, and let, me, let me just say again, let me emphasize this. Now, that's how sin is. You need to get that down. Now, here's what I see in, in Naaman. Here's a man who in our day would be the general of the army. I, I guess that's what we would say. A man's man. I mean, we look up to him, and he's the tough guy. He's the, uh, if you'll let me use a worldly phrase, he's the John Wayne of that day, so to speak. I mean, everybody looks at him and thinks he's tough. When he shows up, he's held high esteem and admiration. I just want to kind of get you to see where he's at. And, and 
But what they don't know is there's a problem inside. Now, let me just jump to the chase and say this. I'm convinced there's a lot of Naamans walking around today. Come on, preacher. Uh, maybe, maybe even, and, and I could be talking to sinner or saint tonight. You, you look good on the outside. You, you may even have a suit and tie on or a coat, a, a coat and a tie. You may have a Bible under your arm. Everything may look good on the outside. But there may be a little sin, a little sin developing on the inside. There may be a little problem starting to jail in your life, and nobody knows about it. But you know that this problem is not going to go away. You know that. Naaman knew it's not going away. Naaman knew this is going to get bigger. This thing's not going to just. Hey, can I say sin doesn't just go away, it gets bigger. The brother quoted a little while ago, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It starts out a little. You start out drinking one beer and it's not long to it's six pack, not long to it's a case. I'll never forget I had a close relative and he started drinking. I asked him, I said to him, What's wrong? What are you what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? He said this. I'm just having a good time with my friends. That's all I'm doing. I'm having a good time with my friends. And I said, man, you 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 better you better get away from that stuff. And here's what happened. He went in the army, and you you probably know the story. Went along, he got married, and his marriage was on the rocks. And he called me one day and he was crying. He was crying and he said, Wayne, I want you to pray for me. He said, I can't quit. I want to quit, but I can't quit. See, what he dabbled with, what he was handling, what he got a hold of, finally got a hold of him and he couldn't get away from it. That's what sin will do. That's what was going to happen to name. And I, I, I think as I look at Naaman, I see a man who is helpless and hopeless. There's no cure for leprosy in his day. There was no cure. And friend, there's no cure for sin other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm, I'm looking at this fella and I'm thinking about him and I just wonder this, do we have any hidden issues in our life? Maybe it's not even sin now, but it's on the pathway to sin. I just, I just want us to think about that. And I want to say to you, I want to say it quickly, this really is a message, a good news message. I'll say it that way. Because this hopeless, helpless, incurable disease he found a solution for it. He didn't have to die. As far as he's concerned, there was no way out. Death was on the way. He was gonna die. No, nothing he could do about it. But the fact of the matter, that was just as far as he knew. There was a remedy. There was a cure. Oh, friend, listen to me tonight. There's no problem in your life too big for God. Amen. No problem too. I don't care what you're facing tonight. No problem too big for God. 
may not even be sin problem. May just be a personal problem or a family problem or whatever it might be. I want to say to you, I've already said, but let me say it again. There's no problem too big for God. What you can't solve, he can solve. That's right. You may not know that, but he can. You may not see no way out, but as far as he's concerned, he can take care of it if he chooses to. Well, that's, that's where we're at tonight. There's no situation he can't deliver you from. No problem he can't solve. And let me just say it this way. God is the answer to your problem. Hey, hey, your past doesn't matter with God. That's right. Your past doesn't matter. He can can take your past and put it where in the past, if you'll let me say that, he can put that in the past and you can go on and live for God. That's right. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. I want, I'll try not to, I want to talk to you about this. How did Naaman get help? I mean, I think that's, well, I think that's a fair question because really, man that's born to woman's a few days and full of trouble. We got all kinds of problems, all kinds of troubles. I, we need to know how to get help. Don't you think that, that'd be a good thing? Let me say first, he realized he had a problem. I talk to a lot of people that have problems. They, don't, they do not realize they have a problem. They, they can't admit they've got a problem. I, I talk to addicts who will not admit that they have a problem. You can't help anybody who will not be honest enough to admit that they have a problem. If you're sitting here tonight, you've got a problem, why don't you just be honest? enough with yourself and with God to say I've got a problem and I need help. Amen. That's where it starts at. So many people, they live in denial. Might as well just be honest about it. Honest people get help from God. If you're gonna get help from God, you're gonna have to be honest about it. Amen. And then I wanna say this. Naaman truly wanted help. I spent a good part of my ministry trying to help people who don't want help. I've done that. Brother Morris, I've done that. I've spent a big part of my time. Here's a great spiritual truth for you. You can't help somebody that doesn't want help. You can beat your brains out trying to help them, but let me say it again. You can't help anyone who doesn't want help. But let me go on and say, you can't get help if you don't want help. That's right. Uh, it's, it's the most frustrating thing to deal with those who don't want help, but the fact of the matter is you might as well face up to it. There's a crowd out there, they, they need help, but they don't want help, and you can't help them, and you might as well look for somebody you can help. Amen, that's right. Oh my, don't waste your time on folks that don't want help. Amen. He realized he had a problem, and then he truly, he wanted help. Thank you, brother. He truly wanted help. 
And, and then, then I wanna, I wanna say this, he was willing to accept what appeared to be impossible. He, he was willing to accept what appeared. The little maid girl said this, there's no cure, there was no cure for leprosy in that day. And the little maid said, well, if he could just get down there to the preacher, why he could be healed. And I guess there's something that clicked in Naaman's mind and he probably said, why she's crazy. She's crazy, but he wanted help so bad, he was willing to, you know, it's almost like saying somebody that lived 2,000 years ago and died on the cross can change your life. Here's what I'd say if I was a whirling, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. But the fact of the matter is, you and I both know it, it's right. The Lord Jesus Christ, he lived a little over 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, was rejected by this world, but my, he was buried, rose again the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he'd make a difference in your life. Whoa, he'd make a difference in your life. It don't sound right, you may think it's not so, but it's so, friend. Oh, I know it because, why? Because the word of God says it, because I acted on it, and I know it not only from the word of God, but experimentally I know it tonight. Oh my. I was dead as a hammer coming in here. Boy, I feel good in my soul. Oh my. He's willing to accept the message that seemed impossible. That's right. And as far as I'm concerned, I know you can you can look at this text and look at it a couple different ways. But I think he's the one that went to the king. I believe he wanted help so bad. Verse four, and one went, one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid, that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I'll send a letter. Seems like to me. It was Naaman that went into the king. I mean, he, he wanted help so bad, he's gonna, he's gonna take this little message from this maid girl, went and told the king, I guess he asked permission to go, I don't know, but here, here's what it was. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna act on what she said, it don't seem right, it may not be, but I'm on my way to die, and I'm gonna see if what she said is so. Amen, amen. Let me slow up and go just a, see if we can go a little slower. But he, not only did he act on that, and, and, and here's how I should have said, maybe how I've got it in my notes here, he put forth an effort on the message he heard. He acted on it. You know, we have a lot of hearers that won't be doers. I think that's a big problem in our, in our land today. I preached that little crowd up in my church and here's what they do. They shake my hands, they go out the door and they say, that's good preaching. Boy, that's right, preacher, good job. And then it, they never make it part of their life. How long's it been since the word of God has changed your life? I'm serious, 
You, you heard the message and the, and the Holy Spirit spoke to you and, and really what it is is repentance. You said, I'm wrong and God, you're right. Please forgive me. And if you'll help me, I'm gonna do what you, I'm gonna go your way instead of my way. How long's it been since that's occurred in your life? It ought to happen on a regular basis. That's right. If we're right, it will happen on a regular basis. So here he is, he, he acts on the message. And I want to say, you've got to act on the word of God. If you're going to get help, you've got to act on it. It's good for you to hear. It's good for you to listen. It's good for you to say amen. It's good for you to say, preacher, that's the truth. But you're not going to get help unless you act on what you know to be the truth. My, let's be doers and not hearers only. Here he is, he's gonna be a doer of the message that he's heard. And so we, we see, notice verse five, and the king of Syria said, go to and I will send a letter unto the king. Notice what he says, and he departed. Now I'm gonna tell you why we're not doers. Let me tell you why we're not doers, we're procrastinators. And what time does is dull the message of the word of God. That's right, that's why it's important when God speaks to your life, to immediately take action on it. That's right. That's why, that's why good people, when God speaks to the heart, they come to the altar, do business, do business with God before they go out the door and the devil steals it away from them. Now, I don't know if you have, but here's what I've done on more than, more than one occasion. I've said, I'm going to pray about that when I get home. I'm going to deal with that when I get home. I'm not going to the altar, but I, when I get home, I'll go to my bedroom. But here's what happens. Between church and my bedroom, the burden's gone. I've grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit. And what was burning on me to do something about, when I get home, it's not there anymore. Well, that's right. I'm telling you all right tonight. That, that, that's why when God speaks to you, act on it then. That's what Naaman did. You know why he did that? He wanted help. Now, let me ask you, do you want help? I mean, really, let's just face it. Are we satisfied where we're at? We've got our little nest feathered and everything's just like we want it. Isn't that right? Don't we get a lifestyle that we like pretty well and that's how we want to live? I mean, we've got it down and we've, we've got the I's dotted and the T's crossed and we don't want anything to mess that up. That's right. But can I tell you what the Word of God will do? It'll turn your life upside down. And my, when it starts doing that and we're gonna have to change some things, we're gonna have to turn the TV off and pray with the family and read the Bible. My starts changing things and, and, and some way or another we don't want our life changed. We like it like it is. We're contented where we're at. My, do you want help? Do you wanna go on with God? I think we need to be honest and ask ourselves that question. If we wanna go on, we can't go on, we can't keep doing like we're doing and expect anything to change. Isn't that right? 
If you do what you're doing now, nothing's gonna change down the road. So if you wanna go on with God, you wanna wanna go forward with him, you've got to let the Holy Spirit change your life. Well, I believe I'm preaching that right tonight. I believe that's right. And so here he is, and he put forth an effort to obey the message he's been told. And we're gonna see, and and can I say, he was persistent too. I mean, he got down there at the king's king's house, down at the palace, I guess, or whatever, or wherever, whatever you wanna call it. He got down there around the king. When he got to the king, the king's, he had to get past confusion. The king of Israel thought, the king of Syria wanted him to heal him. And he's in a panic because he knows he can't heal him. And so Elisha, the man of God, he says, send him to me, I can help him. Now here's what a lot of people say, the preacher's sticking his nose in where it don't belong. Can I say it'll be a good day when the preacher sticks his nose in to help you with your problem? Amen. Don't get upset with the man of God when he's trying to help you. Good night. He loves you and wants to help you. And so here's here's Elisha. So he's at the king's house. He thinks he's done made the journey. I tried to look it up. I didn't have much to look at, but if I if I was even close, it I think it's three or four hundred miles he had traveled. And, and he had another 30 or 40 or maybe a 60, I can't remember now what it said, but another so many miles to get up to uh, Elisha's place. But can I tell you where a lot of folks have said, well, I've done my part. If you can't help me, I'm through. Can I say sometimes you just have to hang in there. You want help from God, you have to give him time to do what he wants to do. You may go one place to get help and can't get it, just hang in there. God's got help for you if you won't won't run back to the world. Amen. And so here he was, and he went to the king. The king said, go up here and see Elisha. And so he goes. He's persistent. He had to get past the misunderstanding of the king of Israel. He had to get past a lot of things. We're gonna see he's gonna have to get past his temper. Gets angry down the road. He's gonna have to get past his preconceived ideas of how the preacher ought to do. That's right. Everybody knows how the preacher, let me not get ahead of myself. He had to get past his preconceived, well, I guess that's where I'm at. Here, Here he is down there at Elijah, and he said, here's what the, Here's what Elijah's going, here's what Elisha rather is going to do. He's going to come out there and raise his hand. He's going to say a real beautiful prayer. Man, he's going to show respect unto me. And Elisha didn't even come out. I get tickled at that sometimes. He didn't even want to fool with him. He sent somebody else out there. And he told him, said, you go, you go dip in the River Jordan. That old nasty river, that old blood-bought way. It's not popular to the flesh, but it still works. Amen. Well, 
let me back up. I'm going to make all kinds of things here. He had to get past the preacher. Everybody knows what the preacher ought to do, but many times, but the preacher. Here's what they come to me sometimes. Preacher, you're going to have to do this. Oh, am I? I'm going to have to do that. How come? And you start quizzing. What, what, what makes you think that? And they don't even know half the story that's going on. They don't know what I know. And, and they ain't been praying about it like I've been praying about it. But they know what I ought to do. I could almost get, get caught up in the flesh sometimes over there. That's the truth of the matter. Can I say, you don't know what your pastor ought to do. Now you can say some general things. He ought to stand against sin. He ought to do this. But how he goes about that, sometimes it's right to be long-suffering. Sometimes it's right to take action. There's a fine line you're walking there as a pastor. It might be a little babe that you need to be long-suffering with. It might be an old hard head that you know ain't gonna change, never has, never will, and you might as well deal with it. You don't treat everybody the same because everybody's not the same. You, you parents don't treat your little five-year-old like you do your 20-year-old, do you? Sure, sure, you know you don't. And so here's what I'm saying. Don't get upset with a preacher. Let him and God take care of it. Amen. Really what that is, that's the devil trying to bring division between you and your man of God. That's what it is. Don't, don't let that happen to you. And so here's Elisha, and he's upset at the man of God. Man, he is upset about this thing. He didn't do it right. He's telling me to go to Jordan and abandon far, far their cleaner rivers in Jordan. Why don't I just go down there? Why don't you just do what the man of God tells you to do? My soul, friend, listen. The man of God's here to help you. Now you go to the doctor. If you have medical problems, you go to the doctor. And if he told you to stand on your head in the middle of the road and wiggle your toes and you'd get better, you'd do it. And if you have a legal problem, you go to the attorney. You have a spiritual problem, you won't even listen to the man of God. Isn't that right? You think you know more than the man of God? It sounds like I'm chasing you. I'm not. I'm just preaching what God gave me. I think you. I told you, preacher, you've got a fine church preacher. I can tell you've got good people. I, I, I do believe that. I just I have that feeling in my heart. I sense a love for y'all have for one another, for you, man of God. But I, I've got to preach what God tells me to do. Here's what you do, you listen to the doctor, you listen to the attorney, if the accountant, if you was wealthy and you had a lot of money and the accountant told you to do this, you'd do it. And the man of God gets up and tells you what to do and you act like you don't know anything. What's wrong with us? I'm telling you, friend, I'm afraid the devil has caused us to ignore the word of God and the man of God. Amen. So here he is, and he won't help. This guy's won't help. But he thinks he knows how the man of God can help him. Just because the man of God doesn't do it your way, don't, don't, 
don't let that tire you up. And so here's how he responds. And, and everybody's got different ideas, different ways to respond when things don't go the way they like. Some leave the church. If, if Brother Puckett doesn't do it the way they think it ought to be done, they leave. Well, who won out in that case? If you leave the church, you, ain't got, you don't have but one place to go. That's the world. Where are you going? You might run down here at this other church. Maybe you can run back over here to Brother, Brother, Morris, Brother Mitchell's church. No, he's saying he don't want you. You're gonna, if you ain't going to listen to Brother Puckett, he said, I don't want you. You won't listen to him. You won't listen to me. Ain't that right? Amen. You know that's right. Here's, here's where he's at. He's angry at the preacher. My twirl, and needing help and wanting help and knows he needs help. But he's mad at the preacher and so he storms off. My, we, 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 some puff up, some get angry, some do different things. If you've been around, you've, all, you've seen it all or a big part of it. I, every time I say I've seen it all, I'll see something else that, knocks me down but here he is and so he storms off he said I'm not dipping in that muddy Jordan I'm, I'm putting a little with it but he felt like abandoned far far was far better rivers than Jordan but the, but the message from God through the man by the way when the man of God preaches if he has if he's been with God and he has God's message that's God speaking to you through the man of God. Now you can say that's the man of God preaching, but really that's God speaking to you. Now he might miss it. I know I have. Many times I guess I've missed it. But can I tell you, every now and then I hit it. Every now and then I get the right message. That's right. And when I preach that message to the Ridgeview Baptist Church, that's, that's not me telling them, I wouldn't preach this message to you tonight unless God put it on my heart or I thought he put it on my heart. And if he did put it on my heart and I'm preaching the right message, it's God trying to tell you all something. Now that makes it much more serious than just me coming in. And I don't know a soul. I don't know who's, who's yay and who's nay. I don't know. I like it that way. Man, I can just take liberty and say whatever. I like it that way. If you're mad at the preacher, you ought to be on the altar, repent, and get right with God. Amen. You know that's right tonight. You can't be right with God and be wrong with your man of God. That's right. Well, here he is. He's angry at the preacher. But I'm thankful for this. He didn't, want to, he didn't want to dip in Jordan. That wasn't the way he wanted to go. But then they, so he storms off and he gets no help. Here's a man, needs help, wants help, but he lets his feelings, his reasoning, his temper keep him from getting help. Can I say that's sad? I've seen a ton of people do the same thing. They won't get help because they let 
They let their feelings keep them from getting help. Well, that's where he's at. So he storms off. And the servant, the servant come to him. The servant said, now listen. Listen, Naaman, if he had told you something big to do, something, something dramatic, you'd have done it. Why don't you just obey the message from God? Do what he says. And maybe they even said, and see what happens. I don't know if he said that, but if I'd been there, that's how I'd have said it. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have said, why don't you just do what the man of God says? It's not a big deal. If you dip seven times, what's the big deal? I've seen people fly mad over nothing, over little deals, over nothing. And so they said, why don't you just dip? But here's what I like about Naaman. He calmed down enough to realize I need help. I need help. I'm going to die. If I don't get help, I'm going to die. If you don't get spiritual help, you'll die spiritually. That's right. You won't lose your salvation, but you'll be dead as a hammer in every other way. And so here he is, and he said, I need help. And for some reason, I don't know how he reasoned it out, how he thought it out, but he had to humble himself, I know that. We talked about humility on Monday night, but I'm gonna tell you, if you're not willing to humble your heart, you're going nowhere with God. He resisteth the proud. So he humbled his heart. You know the story, I'm trying to walk this. I, I, I hope y'all don't think I'm treating you like first grade, first primary students in Sunday school. But the fact of the matter is, he humbled his heart and he said, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what God's message said. I'm just going to do it. I don't really like it. It goes against my reasoning, what I think, but that's what the preacher said and I'm going to do it. And so he goes, you, you know the story, he dips seven times and it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to believe a man could put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary and that chain make a new creature out of him. That's almost unbelievable, isn't it? But it's so. And that's where Damon's at. He dipped the seven times and he comes up. He's clean. He's healed. He obeyed God's message from God's man after he got over pitching his little fit he got over it and he obeyed and he received help, supernatural help. He received a cure. He received a cure to a disease that was uncurable. God did a supernatural work. If you'll obey the word of God when the man of God preaches you what God gives him, God will do a work in your life. It'll amaze you. It'll change who you are. And even after salvation as you obey, it'll change who you are. It'll turn your life around. And so here's a fella who had it all but had a death sentence on him, but now he's living. Now let me just say it, and this is, I'm through. If you're here and lost, you're a picture of name. You, you've got that hidden, that heart sin. 
that, that sin, that death sentence upon your life, there's only one cure. That's the way of the cross. Faith in the Lord Jesus. Faith and repentance. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. I'll tell you what I'd do if I was lost tonight. I'd think about getting saved if God's speaking to my heart. Maybe a child or whatever. If I was saved and I had a little fester, a little sore that was festering up on the inside, going to get bigger. If you don't deal with sin, it's going to grow. I, I tell you what I believe I'd do. I believe I'd just deal with it. I believe I'd just, I'd just lay my pride aside and I'd deal. I wouldn't procrastinate because when you get home, it'll be gone. I believe I'd just deal with it. God's speaking to your heart. Why don't you just deal with it tonight? It's that simple. It's that simple. I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn it over to you, Pastor, and let him carry out however he sees fit. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you take your word this evening. Do in the hearts of your people. And if there's a sinner here you've been dealing with, please speak to their heart and help them. Oh God, give them boldness not to procrastinate, but to do business with you. Have your way, my Father. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen.